treasure every moment that you have to meet together in the house of God like this. There's millions of people all over planet earth that don't have that freedom. And I'm afraid tonight if we don't have revival in America, my five granddaughters won't have this privilege. They'd shut us down if they could. They already tried that through COVID. And they took a shot over the bow. And whether you know it or not, we got a bunch of blooming idiots running this country. My name is Joe Arthur, and I just approved that message. But I'm so thankful that we have this opportunity to be here tonight. I'm going to preach about 25 or 30 minutes or so. And if if you don't mind... I'd like to hear another song at the end of the service. I love that stuff, boys. That's how I grew up. And by the way, I'm not ashamed of the way that I was raised. And I'm not recovering and I'm not reforming and I'm not repackaging and I'm not relabeling and I'm not regathering. But I'm redigging. And I'm glad to be here tonight. Praise the Lord. John chapter number 13 tonight, verse number seven, verse number 23. John chapter 13 and verse number 23. Now there was leaning on Jesus' bosom one of his disciples, say it with me tonight, whom Jesus loved. Say that with me again, whom Jesus loved. If you will tonight, come to John chapter number 19. John chapter number 19, and look what it says in verse 26. John chapter 19, verse 26, when Jesus therefore saw his mother and the disciples standing by, say it out loud with me, whom he loved. He saith unto his mother, woman, behold thy son. Then saith he to the disciple, Behold thy mother. And from that hour, that disciple took her into his own home. If you will, come to John chapter number 21. John chapter number 21 and verse number 7. John chapter 21 and verse 7, the Bible says, Therefore, that disciple, say it out loud with me, Whom Jesus loved. Say that with me again. Whom Jesus loved. Saith unto Peter, it is the Lord. Now when Simon Peter heard that, it was the Lord. He girded his fisher's coat unto him, for he was naked, and then cast himself into the sea. We have read three verses of scripture tonight that contain this little phrase, the disciple whom Jesus loved. Will you say that with me tonight? The disciple whom Jesus loved. Now, before I tell you what that means, can I take just a few moments and tell you what that does not mean? Number one tonight, that does not mean that Jesus loved John and did not love the others. It didn't mean that at all. Because my Bible teaches me that God loves everybody. I preached this not long ago and I made that statement in a meeting. 
God loves everybody. I base that from John 3.16. For God so loved the world. And I just figured, you know, that means everybody. But evidently, I didn't have some kind of Greek or Hebrew or Aramaic standing of the text. So a man got up the very next morning and rebuked me in front of hundreds and hundreds of people and said, I've often heard it said, well, I guess he did, he heard it the night before, <laughs> that God loves everybody, but I've come to tell you, he don't, he don't. And he went and took a verse totally out of context and said, the Bible plainly says, uh, Esau have I loved, Jacob have I hated and filleted me in front of all them people by taking one verse out of context. But I took a half a baby aspirin and got over it, and I'm back up on my feet again tonight proclaiming according to the word of God, God loves everybody. This does not mean that he loved John and did not love the others. Secondly tonight, it does not mean that Jesus loved John more than he loved the others. Because my Bible teaches me that there's no variableness or shadow of turning in him. God loved you before you were saved. The Bible said that God commended his love toward us that while we were yet sinners, Ladies and gentlemen, God did not start loving you when you got saved. God loved you before you got saved. In fact, that's what drove him to the cross. He loved you so much that he died for you. God doesn't love me more than he loves you. He doesn't love you more than he loves me. He loves us all and he loves us all the same. When I'm sad, he loves me. When I'm bad, he loves me. When I'm soaring in the clouds, he loves me. When I'm crawling on my face and failure in the valley, he loves me. It doesn't mean that he loved John and didn't love the others. And it doesn't mean that he loved John more than he loved the others. Well, you say, Brother Joe, what would it mean for three times in the gospel? For it to be said that John was the disciple whom Jesus loved. Can I tell you tonight, it was more on John's part than Jesus. You know what that phrase simply means? It simply means that John had cultivated a more intimate, a more close relationship with Jesus than the others. And by the way tonight, that was John's choice. You know, the Bible said if we were drawn nigh unto God, hallelujah, he would draw nigh unto us. John was not satisfied just being one of the 12. John was not satisfied with just hanging around watching the miracles. John wanted to go a little further. John wanted to draw a little closer. John wanted to dig a little deeper. Let me put it in modern day lingo. John had gone beyond 
Sunday morning only Christianity. Let me put it in my our modern language. John had gone beyond normal Christianity. John had gone beyond being a religious spectator. John had gone beyond wearing a T-shirt or a bumper sticker that declared his love for Jesus Christ. John didn't get up in the morning and lick his finger and figure out which way the wind was blowing and if it was convenient, he would serve God this day and if it wasn't convenient, he wouldn't serve God that day. No, John had dug a little deeper. He had drawn a little closer. He had cultivated a more intimate, close, special relationship with Jesus Christ. While the others were arguing about who was going to be number one, while the others were arguing about who was going to sit at the right hand when he ushers in the kingdom, while the others were jockeying for position and playing religious politics, John said, there's something more to it than this. I want to do more than watch him perform miracles and hear him preach great sermons. I want to love him. I want to draw close to him. I want to cultivate a close relationship with Jesus Christ. And ladies and gentlemen, may I say to you tonight, we can go beyond Sunday morning only Christianity. We can go beyond being a religious spectator. We can do more than just normal Christianity. We can dig deeper. We can draw closer and and cultivate that intimate, close relationship with Jesus and, and be that disciple whom Jesus loved. And there's an evangelist from this part of the country named Don Anderson. Anybody here ever heard Don Anderson preach? He is ugly as a mud fence, but the boy can really preach. I love Don Anderson. I've been knowing him ever since he was a teenage boy. In fact, when you get my age, you know a lot of people since they were teenage boys. In fact, there's people in this room tonight, I remember the day you were born. Wow, somebody's getting old around here. Your little skinny runt piano player. I remember him when he was like still in a pacifier. And I got a great story about him and that little pacifier. How many wants to hear it? I mean, something in you is saying, tell it, brother, tell it. I don't know who this individual was, but somebody was giving his dad a hard time. And evidently, it overheard his mom and dad's conversation. And he has that little pacifier. He's about four years old. And that man that's giving everybody a hard time walks up and pats him on the head. And that little fella puts that pacifier and says, my daddy says, you're stupid. I said, daddy, what did he do then? He said, he left. But I've been knowing a lot of people since they were little. But I preached at the church that Don Anderson was called and saved in. The True Way Baptist up there in, uh, where Bruce Simmons was the pastor. And I love Bruce Simmons. He was Don Collins's uncle. That's the first place I preached a revival. He called me, Brother Bruce did. He said, and I was still in the 11th grade. He said, I want you to preach our fall revival. I said, Bruce, I don't have but one sermon. 
He said, well, just preach the same thing all three nights. So that's what I did. But I didn't feel too bad about it because they sang Amazing Grace all three nights. That's been 44 years ago, and I've got two sermons, that one and the one I'm preaching tonight. But on Friday night, I won't ever forget it, that was a little section that sat over in the side called the Amen Corner. That place is packed down, and I'm sitting over there on that little side with my dad and Brother Bruce and some other people. And the, the choir was singing, and man, the glory fell. Don, uh, Don Anderson's mother, Joyce Anderson, would shout at the drop of a hat and drop her hat to shout. Miss Joyce got highly intoxicated on the Spirit of God. And she got to shouting in that choir. And she shouted out of that choir. She shouted down to the front. She shouted down the side. And she shouted till she made her way over to me. I'm 17 years old, wet behind the ears. And that woman put her nose right on mine and screamed like a Comanche Indian. (laughs) When I finally got my heart back, when breath finally came back into my body, she grabbed my cheeks and said, whoo, sonny boy, God will be as real to you as you will let him be. Just let him be. And she shouted on out the, whoo. And I don't know what happened to me that night. I, I don't know if I got recombobulated I I don't know what happened to me that night but brother Pope that night sitting in that seat the Holy Ghost birthed this unquenchable thirst and this undying fire in my soul for God to be as real to me as I would let him be that I would be as close to God as I could be. And I'm gonna tell you tonight, I know we're in a world of trouble and in a world of fear and in a world of turmoil. But I'm telling you tonight, while the world is falling apart and searching for peace, they'll never find that they come to the Prince of Peace. You and I don't have to warm a pew. We don't have to warm a seat. We don't have to go through the form of religious activity. Jesus has a table spread where the saints of God are fed and he invites his chosen people. Come and dine. We can dive deeper. We can draw closer. We can cultivate a more intimate, close, relationship with Jesus Christ and be that disciple whom Jesus loves and not endure our Christianity but enjoy our salvation. Let me give you four characteristics tonight according to these verses that we'll have in our life if we will cultivate that relationship and be that disciple whom Jesus loved. Look at our text first tonight, John chapter 13, verse number 26. Do you know where you are? You're in the upper room with Jesus. He is instituting what we observe called communion or the Lord's Supper. This is just a few hours before he prays in Gethsemane. This is just a few hours before he goes to Pilate's hall. This is just a few short hours before he goes to Gabbatha and beaten beyond recognition. 
This is just a few hours before he goes to the place of a skull, Calvary, and dies for the sins of the whole world. They're in this upper room and they're sitting at the table. But the Bible said that this disciple whom Jesus loved was sitting so close to the master that he had his head laid on the breast of Jesus. He wasn't sitting at the far end of the table. He wasn't sitting on the left or the right side of the table. Why, he had gotten so close to Jesus, he could lean upon him. He had gotten so close to Jesus, he could lay his head on his breast and hear the heartbeat of deity. Why, he had drawn so close, he can feel the hot breath of heaven blowing on the backside of his soul. You know what John, the disciple whom Jesus loved, is doing? He is sitting where the others don't sit. He is sitting where the others won't sit. He is not satisfied sitting at the far end. He's not satisfied sitting on the other end. He wants to get as close as he can. He wants to sit as close as he can to the master and lean upon his breast, hear the heartbeat of heaven, feel the hot breath of God. And I'm telling you tonight, you can do more than just show up at church and go through the motions of religious activity. You can sit where the others don't sit. And I promise you tonight there is a place of quiet rest near the heart of God and instead of worrying about who's the best in the kingdom and who's going to sit at the right hand of the kingdom, quit playing religious politics and jockeying for position and pull your feet under the table of God and lean on the breast of Jesus and hear the heartbeat of God and sit where the others don't sit. I believe that's what Joyce Anderson was telling me that night in Brown Mountain, North Carolina as a 17-year-old boy. Son, you don't have to be like Simon Peter and warm yourself by the devil's fire. You don't have the shaky faith. You don't have to have the shaky faith like a doubting Thomas. You don't have to worry about seeking a position who's gonna be number one in the kingdom of God. By the way, there's only number one, only one number one in the kingdom of God and that's the king and that's the Lord and that's the potentate and that's the savior and that's the Jesus Christ that went to the cross. I'm glad tonight in a world of fear, in a world of turmoil we can sit where the others don't sit and draw close to the heart of God. I don't have time to argue and fuss with religionists. I have a savior to worship. You do the political fighting. You do the fussing. You do the arguing. I think I'll lean upon my Savior. And I want to tell you, we're living in a world tonight when we're going to have to lean strong on our Savior and lean close on our Savior. You say, Brother Arthur, are you alluding to something that's called the spirit-filled life? 
No, I am not alluding to it. I am telling you I'm all right up there in it. Thank God for the spirit-filled life. I was preaching one night in Jacksonville, Florida on the fullness of God and the anointing of the Holy Spirit. And I noticed during my sermon, I made the pastor mad. I could tell. I made him mad. I mean, I could see the fire coming out of his ears. And so the ride to the motel that night was real quiet. He picked me up the next morning to take me to the airport, and it was even quieter. I mean, it was cold as a mother-in-law's kiss in that car. And finally, we got to the airport, and when I got to get out, he said, Brother Arthur, I just want you to know I don't believe one word of what you preached last night. I don't believe one word of what you preached last night about that filling of the Holy Ghost and the anointing of God. I want you to know I don't believe one word of what you preached last night. I said, well, let me say this before I get out of this broken down Dodge we're riding in. Look how nervous that makes me for you to tell me you don't believe one word of it. I said, Bubba, I believe it enough for me and you both. And if you don't want your part, pass her down my way. I want a double portion of high octane Holy Ghost power because the arm of the flesh will fail. The ingenuity of the flesh will fail and the plans of the flesh will fail. But there is a Savior we can get close to and draw nigh to and lean upon his bosom. Hear the heartbeat of God. Feel the hot breath of heaven. I'm telling you tonight, you can sit where the earth Others don't sit and draw close to the master and not endure but enjoy the Christian life. They sit where the others don't sit. Number two, come to John chapter number 19, the second time we mentioned it. When you come to John 19, you know where you are? You're at the cross. He's gone to Gethsemane and drank the cup he has stood before Pilate at Gabbath and got the beating. He has stood before the Sanhedrin and found guilty of nothing but love and mercy in the first degree. They have beat his back and they've laid a wooden cross upon his back and he's carrying that cross to the narrow streets of Jerusalem. They have spit upon him. They have scourged him. They have smote him. They have taken three rusty nails and impaled the sinless body of Jesus Christ to the old rugged cross. They have dug a hole in the ground and they have lifted that cross and with a mighty thud it hits the ground. And there between heaven and earth stands our Savior, our ransom, our refuge, our redeemer. The Bible said as Jesus hang there for you and hang there for me, Seemingly, there's nobody there. Oh, there is a few women, and among them few women was his, was his little mama, his earthly mama that was breathed upon by the Holy Ghost and birthed him into the world. I want to ask you a question tonight. Where's the blind man that he healed? He wasn't there. Where's the lame man that he made to walk? He wasn't there. I want to even know about Lazarus, whom raised from the dead. How come he's not there? 
Those men that he cured from leprosy, how come they're not there? The ones that he watered when they were thirsty, the ones that he fed when they were hungry, the ones he befriended when they were lonely, the ones that were lost when he found them, where are they? They are nowhere to be found because they are afraid they're next to be impaled to the cross. Where is Peter? Where is James? Where is Judas? Where is Thomas? Where's Matthew? Nobody knows. They're all forsook him and fled. Oh, dear God Almighty, but there's one old boy who's standing right with him. Right under his cross. And you know who it is? The disciple whom Jesus loved. Isn't it amazing tonight? The one that leaned upon his bosom was the only one of the men that stood by his cross. I know I'm not supposed to repeat myself, but that bears repeating. Isn't it amazing that the one that leaned upon his bosom was the only man that stood by his cross? Oh yeah, the centurion was there and the Roman soldiers were there, but there was only one man there that was willing to say, that's my Redeemer and that's my Savior and that's my Lord because when you sit where the others don't sit, you know what you'll do? You'll stand when the others don't stand. When them Sunday morning onlyers throw in the towel, them that gets close to Jesus, they throw it back in. When COVID began to start, my wife began to prophesy. My wife is not an ordained Baptist preacher, but she is a prophetess. And yours is too. Some of the greatest sermons I've ever preached, Mrs. Arthur has preached them to me. She even baptized me three times one day. But when this COVID thing, and I've heard you preach before too, Mrs. Pope. And when this COVID thing began, Mrs. Arthur prophesied. She said, well, we're about to separate the men from the boys. We're about to separate the wheat from the tares. We're about to find out who's in for the real deal. And son, I ain't seen some of them since. And you know who the first ones to come back when we opened our churches back up? Probably those who were so old and weak and sick, they should have stayed at the house. But for years, by God, they've been leaning on his bosom. For years, they've been drinking from his cup. For years, they've been feeling his heartbeat. And when it come time to stand and be bold for God, they were standing right by the cross. Listen to Brother Joe tonight. If you're not willing to sit at his feet and lean upon his breast, you're not going to stand in the hour of crisis. But if you've got close enough to hear his heartbeat and feel his breath you will stand when the others don't stand while they all forsook him and left him there's some little women and his little mama weeping but son there stands one it'll take more than that hammer to run me off that's my savior It'll take more than three rusty nails to run me off. 
That's my Savior. It'll take more than a centurion and a spear to run me off. That's my Savior. Lord, have mercy. And isn't it amazing that the, well, glory. Isn't it amazing that the only one that was willing to stand where the others don't stand, he's the one that God let pin down for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. Isn't it amazing that the only one that stood when the others didn't stand is the very one that God let say and he is the propitiation for our sins and not for ours only but for the sins of the whole world. Hallelujah. Somebody help me now. Isn't it amazing that the only one that stood when nobody else was stand is the only one that God let right behold the Lamb of God that taketh away the sin of the world. Brother, I'm telling you, he stood the hammer, the nails, the spear, the centurion, the ungodly Roman soldiers, the casting of his lots, the shadow of the cross. He cannot be bought. He cannot be frightened. He will not be intimidated. He will not deny his Savior. He will not deny his Lord. He'll stand by his cross when nobody else will. And I'm telling you tonight, if you'll sit where the others won't sit, you'll stand when the others don't stand. Right here in John 19, did you notice what happens here? Not only is he standing where the others don't stand, but whew, something happens in this text. It makes me want to climb a wall backwards. <laughs> Standing in that crowd is those women and John and Mary, the mother of Jesus. Now let me clarify something tonight. Even though the nuns were here last night and the Pope is still here tonight. <laughs> and one of my friends here, your name is Priest. We're not Catholics. And we don't worship Mary. We don't pray to Mary. We don't make a God out of Mary. But you listen to me. She's special. God said she was special. Highly favored. Can you put yourself in Mary's shoes for a moment? Some of you women put yourself, what would you do tonight if an angel sat on the foot of your bed at two o'clock in the morning and said, you gonna have one. You do more than have a baby, you'd have a heart attack. And if you walked Bubba up beside of you and told him what the angel said, he'd have four heart attacks and nine strokes and 12 nervous breakdowns. Let me say these unexpected pregnancies, it's funny when it happens to the other person. Can you imagine what it was like? Mary, wake up. It's me, Gabriel. You're with child. But that can't be. I've not consummated my engagement to Joseph. He said, oh no. That which is in you is not a Joseph. And it's not of a man. It's of the Holy Ghost. He said, Mary, you remember in Genesis where it said, and the Spirit of God over the face of the deep. And you remember when Ezekiel was preaching in the valley of the First Baptist Church of Dry Bones? I've held a revival there. And while he was preaching the Holy Ghost, 
Mary, the power of the Holy Ghost is gonna. Oh, by the way, if God can go and get a world, and if God can go and have a revival in the graveyard, if God can go and breathe in the breath of nostrils, man, the breath of life, and he become a living soul, the same Holy Ghost can brood over a virgin womb and bring forth the sinless, sovereign son of the living God. Woo! And can't imagine the first time she heard him cry. You know what that was? That was the voice that thundered from the burning bush. I am that I am. Can you imagine the first time she looked at his little hand? That was the same one that threw the stars up there and said, Daddy, am I doing good? That was Jesus, the Son of God. Can you imagine having a child and not correcting it? Hmm. Can you imagine having a teenager and they not driving you insane? I believe there's a special place in heaven for people that raise teenagers because a child can go to bed at 12 years old perfectly normal and wake up crazier than a football bat at 13. I wonder how Mary felt at the age of 12 when he astounded the doctors and the lawyers. I wonder what it was like when she was standing there at his baptism at his Jewish mitzvah and the, and the heavens opened and the voice said, this is my beloved son and, and no wonder at his first miracle she told them boys, whatever he says unto you, do it. And somebody said, why are you doing it? And they said, cause mama said. And can you imagine what it was like when she heard Mary, they've arrested Jesus. Well, that can't be. He's never done anything but good, but they've arrested him. Worse than that, they're going to execute him today. They're going to nail him to a cross. And can you imagine that little mother? She tops Galgotha's hill. And her hangs. Little baby boy. Beat beyond recognition. His vintage was marred, but I believe Mary knew exactly who he was. She's standing there, her heart's broken. Joseph is not in the picture. I personally believe he has died before this time. I can't prove that, but for some reason, Joseph is no longer in the picture. And there stands Mary, the mother of Jesus. And Jesus looks down from that cross with blood-soaked eyes and swollen face and and sees that disciple whom he loved. The one that had been sitting where the others didn't sit. And the one that had been a standing where the others wouldn't stand. He said, woman, with his head and the blood dripping off. Woman, behold thy son. Son, behold thy mother. And the Bible said that disciple, who's that one? The one that Jesus loved. The one that didn't sit where the others didn't sit. And the one that's been a standing where the others didn't stand. It said in that disciple, from that hour, took her into his own home. 
You'd say, what's the big deal about that? Dear God Almighty, can you imagine as John puts his arm around little Mary and leads her off of that hillside as her son breathes his last breath and cries, my God, my God, why has thou forsaken me? And hears him cry, it is finished. And can you imagine that little woman living in your house to the day that she dies? Can you imagine what it was like three days later when John come running back and said, Mama Mary, that boy's alive. He's alive. He lives again. Can you imagine taking her out to Mount uh, the Mount of Ascension? As she said, go on, son. Go on back to where you come from. I'll see you in a little while. Can you imagine having supper at that house? And someone said, Mama Mary, why don't you ask the blessing? I think I will. I'll talk to my son. Son, bless this food and bless us. Can you imagine the bedtime stories? Mama Mary, tell us what would it's like riding that donkey? What was it like having a baby in a manger? Whoop, whoop. Can you imagine on her deathbed when her son came to get her and as she draws her last breath, she says, hello, son. And he says, hello, mama. Hallelujah. Hey, she didn't go home with Matthew. She didn't go home with Simon Peter. She didn't go home with Thomas. But she goes home with that disciple that had been sitting where the others didn't sit and got to standing where the others didn't stand. And can I tell you this tonight? If you'll sit where the others don't sit and stand where the others don't stand, you'll get to serve when the others don't get to serve. Oh, I would love to serve the Lord while standing sit a while. Well, I don't know why where God uses that person. I'm just as good as they are. You're probably better talented, but you ain't been sitting and standing. I don't know why in the world God uses them when they sing. They really can't sing because they've been sitting. And they've been standing. Now God's let them serve. I don't understand why God blesses Brother Pope that building up there and all that. I just don't think no better than I am. He never said he was. He still don't think he is. See, he's been sitting. Then he's been standing. God's going to let him serve. We had a young man come through our church one time. In fact, come to think, we've had a lot of people come through our church. In fact, if I ever start another one, I'm going to call it Three-Way Baptist. And I'm even going to put a revolving door out front. Just watch it. I'm going to move my letter. Well, move it. Hurry. Never seen nothing like it in all my life. Had this young man come through our church. He come to me one day. He said, I want to go on a revival with you. I want to go with you. And I want to spend some private time with you. I want to see what, what makes you tick. And I said, son, before you go anywhere with me, I need to warn you of something. I'm the most boring person you've ever been around in your life. What do you mean by that? I said, all I do is eat, sleep, drive, and go to church. Of course, I did go fishing two mornings this week, but I asked forgiveness. (laughs) But I ain't been out there playing that ungodly golf. Bless God, just say amen right there. You say, but fishermen lie. I know, but golfers cuss. You don't play golf, do you? Our Heavenly Father, I pray, dear God, bless the Pope in Jesus' name. 
I said, son, I'm on the board. I said, but you're welcome to go. Well, I, I guess that he was bored. So one day we're hanging around the motel getting ready to go to church and he starts fumbling through all my stuff. He gets my Bible and tries to find some, some outlines and I don't even know where they are either. And he just starts fumbling through all the, well, does anybody remember before we had an iPad or an iPhone, we had this thing called a date book. It had paper and little lines on it and little numbers and you took a pencil and you wrote on it. I'm telling you, if that eye cloud ever thunders, won't none of us show up at the right place. <laughs> we used to have them five-year planners. Remember them big five? Well, he, he grabbed my planner. He, he got, and then all of a sudden, all of a sudden, oh, yuck. Yeah, yuck. Now, listen, I don't mind if you look through my stuff, but don't go yuck. <laughs> if I show you a picture of my wife, you better not do that. And if you do that to my grandkids, I'll run this microphone down you. Say amen. <laughs> yeah. And finally, I said, what are you yucking about? What's your problem, boy? And he said, huh? I wouldn't moan every day of my life. I wouldn't moan every day of my life for years planned out like that. Now, listen, you young preachers, listen to me. I know I shouldn't have done it. It wasn't spiritual. It wasn't Christ-like. It wasn't ministerial. It wasn't nice at all had none of the fruits of the spirit in it. I don't recommend you do it. But you older people that get this, the devil made me do it. I called his name. I said, you don't got nothing to worry about. I've heard you preach. You ain't got nothing to worry about. You won't be busy every day of your life. You say, you shouldn't have said that. He started it. <laughs> and Dr. Pope, I ended it with this. I ended it with this. I said, you want to know why I said that? Yeah. I said, well, here's why. Mm, you may come to church Sunday morning, some, when you feel like it. And you might even wobble back in on Sunday night if you can wake up from your sleep. And, uh, you know, Wednesday night, that's out for you. I've never seen you on Wednesday. I've never seen you out here soul winning and passing out tracts and helping us, you know, build this church. I said, son, you ain't got to worry about being busy. You ain't got to worry about having your life being busy for God because you won't even do the minimal. Can I just say this? If you're just going to church and paying your tithes, you're just on first base. Hello? Yeah. He said, you hurt my feelings. I said, you got on my nerves. <laughs> he said, I don't understand what you said. I called his name. I said, son, listen to me. If you want to serve God and pastor church and preach revivals, come to church Sunday morning. Come to church Sunday night. Come to church Wednesday night. Win some souls. Stand in the gap. Sit where the others don't sit. And when you pay your dues and sit right and stand right, you'll get to serve. One of my friends commented the other day, he said, well, I got another couple leaving. They're going to go out to pastor a church. He said, I don't know why in the world God calls all my best people. I didn't say a word. And he went, that was dumb right there, wasn't it? 
I didn't say a word. I didn't say a word. He just said, yeah. He said, you know, for some reason, them's the kind that God calls. But I'm just waiting on me a position. <laughs> You're going to wait a long time. But I'm waiting on my opportunity. You're going to suffocate. But I'm telling you, if you'll pull your feet under the table, lean on Jesus. Kiss on him a little bit. Listen to his heartbeat. Feel his breath. And stand for him and be faithful. By the way, tonight the criteria of the judgment seat of Christ is not going to be well done by good and successful servant. It's going to be well done by good and faithful servant. And the little word small, the little word few, he said, because thou hast been faithful, not over a big thing, not over a lot of things. He said, thou hast been faithful over a few things. But I'm about to take your few and I'm going to turn it into many. I'm just trying to tell you tonight go deeper, draw closer, get fuller, get fired up for God and sit where the others don't sit and stand where the others don't stand. And God will let you serve when the others don't serve. Come to the last one tonight, chapter 21. You know where you are when you come to chapter number 21? They're out fishing. And their fishing excursion that night was like a most of mine. Nothing. <laughs> Here's how my fishing goes. Boy, you should have been here yesterday, preacher. Boy, they was really biting. Or if I get mad and leave, they'll say, boy, right after you left. <laughs> Bless God, that'll make you feel like Jonah. <laughs> or one of your preacher friends, I'll take your muzzleloader hunting shoot one with a 300 magnum but I'm not going to go into that tonight but you know I feel conviction in this room <laughs> but he wasn't your preacher it's just somebody he knew and you can't arrest them because they're no longer here <laughs> but they told all night caught nothing and all of a sudden this man says catch it on the other side and they caught a big old bunch and all of them disciples except one's like, who's that? Who's that? Right. Uh, here's your sign. <laughs> don't you live like you don't know what I'm talking about. <laughs> Can I just say, who else says, catch Jeanette on the other side and you start catching them? Right. Who else says, children, have you got any meat? Who is it? Who is it? Who is it? Listen, Simon Peter don't know. Doubting Thomas don't know. Bartholomew don't know. None of them knows. But there's one old boy. Glory to God. Hallelujah. That stands up on the bow of that ship. Whoop. Says, I know who it is. It's the Lord. Well, John... The disciple whom Jesus loved. How do you know what we don't know? He said, well, if you'd have been a sitting where I've been sitting. And you've been standing where I've been standing. I'm having me a time tonight. And if you've been serving where I've been a serving. God will let you see what the others don't see. 
Honey, when nobody else knew who it was, John said, Dear God, I know him so good I can smell him. I can see him. I know that voice. I know who he is. And God let him see what the others didn't see. And tonight, in a world of confusion and bewilderment, God will let you see what the others don't see. It's the Lord. It's the Lord. It's the Lord. It's the Lord. And then let me close with this tonight. Come to the last book of the Bible. The book of Revelation. Not Revelations. The Revelation. And by the way, quit saying turn to Psalm chapter 12. It ain't chapters, it's Psalms. I'm over it, I'm over it, I'm over it. But the book of Revelation. It's the revelation of Jesus Christ given to his servant Thomas. Whoop, given to his servant Bartholomew. Given to his servant Simon Peter. This is the revelation of Jesus Christ given unto his servant John. Which one is that? I've been trying to tell you for 35 minutes. The one had been sitting where the others didn't sit. The one that's been a standing where the others didn't stand. And the one got to serve when the others didn't serve. And the one that got to see where the others didn't see. God's gonna let him say what the others didn't get to say. Well, what did he say? I'm glad you asked. God let him say, and I saw a door in heaven open. And I heard a voice say, come up hither. And I want to tell you, when I got up there, they were coming from the north and the south and the east and the west. And I poked an angel and I said, who are they? Who are they? And that angel said, honey, these are they from Union Grove and Claudeville and Galax and even some people from Detroit and Atlanta and Charlotte and Coolamy. My God, he may even let some rednecks from Harmony go in. There might be even somebody from Ararat, Windy Gap, Rowan Gap. He might even let one of them bootleggers from Wilkes County. Who knows? He said, these are they that have made their robes pure and white in the blood of the Lamb. And they got white robes and they're wearing golden crowns. And look what they're about to do. They're about to say hallelujah and glory and honor be to him. And they cast their crowns at his feet. He got to say what the others didn't say. And I want to tell you tonight, if you will sit and stand and serve and see, God will let you be a witness. For who got to say, on behalf of a mouthpiece of God, the final invitation for man to come to Christ. And the bride says, come. And the spirit says, come. And let him that is a thirst come. Right. Come on. Woo! And who? Sh- 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 
Let me let me let you. I, I I don't back up when I go to say this word. You ready? No, don't get real nervous either. And whosoever will, let him come and take of the water of life freely. Can I ask you a question while you come in, pastor and musicians and everything? Can you imagine? Lord have mercy, Brother Harrison. Can you imagine at the thousands of people since John uttered those words that have come and taken the water of life freely? The songwriter said, though millions have come, there's still room for one. And tonight, I'm just telling you, if you'll go beyond nominal Christianity, and go deeper and draw closer. God will let you sit. God will let you stand. God will let you serve. God will let you see. And God will let you say something that will change the world for the glory of God. Can I tell you in closing tonight what Joyce Anderson said to me as a 19-year-old boy in Brown Mountain, North Carolina, at the True Way Baptist Church. Honey, God would be as real to you as you will let him. Let him be. Let's stand together. Our Father, we love you tonight. We thank you for Jesus and we thank you for the cross. Lord, as Fanny Crosby sang a hundred years ago, draw me nearer. Draw me nearer. Blessed Lord. God, give us some folks tonight. Let us sit at your table. Stand by your cross. Serve in your kingdom. And see and say your glory. Help us tonight in Jesus' name. For Jesus' sake. Amen. Thank you, Pastor. Thank you. Our heads are bowed. Our eyes are closed. Anybody want to go deeper? Anybody not satisfied with just being up in the shallow? Anybody else here tonight not satisfied with just getting by? Anybody want to get up close tonight? Hallelujah. Well, I don't know about anybody else. I don't want to be on the outskirts. I want to get everything I can get. I want want God to use me tonight. But I also know something's going to take something. It's going to take some sacrifice. Our heads are bowed, our eyes are closed. Altars are full, altars are full. Anybody else here tonight just says, man, I want a touch. I want a fresh touch. I want a special touch. I want God to use me, preacher. 
I want to be used to point some people to the Lord. I'm not concerned about the natural and the normal. I want some abnormal. I, I want something supernatural. I don't want to just be satisfied with the mediocre. I want to go to the next level. Hey, if that's you, why don't you step out right now and just join these that are in the altar tonight. Will you come while we wait? Oh, goodness, Calvary, let's don't just do church. Let's don't, let's don't just go through the motion. That's why our nation's in such a mess. Man, we need some folks to get on fire. Folks are continuing to come. Oh, God. Thank you, Lord, for what you're doing. Oh, God, thank you for what you've done in my heart tonight. Oh, God, could you take us to the next level? God, could you do something supernatural in 2023? God, I pray you'd do it. And oh Lord, I pray that you'd help us at this church, Lord, to lean upon your bosom. Lord, to stand where others will not stand, to sit where others will not sit, to see what others will not see. God, have your way, have your way in this invitation. I don't know all that's going on in the altars tonight, but God, I know you do. And I pray, Holy Spirit, that you'd work in a great way. Our heads are bowed, our eyes are closed. Real quickly before we go. I wonder if there might be anybody in this room this evening and you'd say, Pastor, if I died tonight, I'm not sure. I'm not sure that I would go to heaven. Would you please pray for me? I'm not sure if I died that I would go to heaven. Would you please remember me in prayer? I'm not gonna come back and try to drag you down the aisle. I just wanna pray for you. Is there one Anywhere tonight, you just slip your hand up right now. Let me pray for you. Right now, you just slip your hand up. Preacher, pray for me. Pray for me. Hey, with our heads bowed and eyes closed, many folks are still in the altar. With heads bowed and eyes closed, whether you came to the altar or not, I wonder, I wonder how many are here tonight and you'd say, Pastor, I really want God to take me to that next level. I really do. Man, I want, I want to do something for God. God's burning in my heart tonight. If that's you, you just sort of slip your hand up around the house tonight. I want God to use me. I want God to use me. Amen. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. You can lower your hands. We're just going to keep our heads bowed for just a moment while folks are doing business with the Lord. If you're watching... If you're watching live stream tonight, we're just so glad to have you with us. And there's a number on the bottom of your screen right now, 704-327-5662. We have some people that are standing by the phone right now. They're waiting by the phone. And if you'll reach for your phone, dial that number. Dial that number right now. We have somebody who would love to share the gospel of Jesus with you right now. You might be watching you may have just stumbled by this broadcast tonight. You thought by accident. 
You may be watching this tonight. You say, Pastor, I'm so discouraged. I don't even think I can go another day. Hey, if you'll call that number, we have some folks that'll pray with you and believe God with you. Try to encourage you tonight. Hope you'll call us right now. God's still working. 